Becky and I'm Susie and welcome to Archie Kids, the podcast where we try to entangle the jingle from the jangle on each week's episode of Riverdale. Suze. Beck. I'm so glad that Archie and Jughead made it through that fire. Through oh the yeah, sorry. Big fire extinguishers. Yeah, I mean, huge <laughs> plug for fire extinguishers in this episode. I don't know if I have a fire extinguisher, TBH. So that I don't actually think me... that you need a fire extinguisher in an apartment. Anyway, I guess the jury's still out. But um, Riverdale had a really good plug for fire extinguishers that these raging fires that were huge could just be put out with a little boop boop. It looked like they were going to die in the last episode, frankly. It was scary. But um, Archie, we can do him last. I feel like we should shake up the order. Sure. We had some great moments from our characters who don't typically have great moments. We yeah. can start off with Veronica or Tony. Um, let's do Veronica. So one thing that Hiram says to Veronica is the trash hasn't picked up from Riverdale in a few months or like in months <laughs> period. And he brings it up twice. And I <laughs> just I don't understand how anyone could be running the school or going to this school, or anything, and not thinking, wow, it smells like trash, we should... <laughs> I mean, they could even just drive it to the dump. I know it's expensive to pay for trash collection, but they have a lot of trucks. They could just drive it. And the fact that they've just... Where are they letting it pile up? It just seems like a weird thing to have been brought up twice, and also, like, very irresponsible of the gang to not be taken care of. It's a horror, the idea that there's just trash festering all over the Everywhere. Oh, disgusting. But listen, Veronica, I love this episode for her because she's by far the best teacher so far. Okay, but Veronica also basically introduces like a Ponzi scheme of money. I don't think it's a Ponzi scheme. I think it's like an it's like a burning man barter situation. <laughs> That's what Veronica she's trying to tweak the economy overall. Well, okay, so basically what happens is that Riverdale has no money, so Veronica tells her econ students so, there was a town in Oregon on the verge of economic collapse, much like our beloved Riverdale, until they started printing their own money. Money they could use as actual currency, but only in their town. So it keeps getting reinvested in the town. How does that work? Simple. I pay you for remodeling my jewelry shop with River Dollars, which you then funnel back into Riverdale's economy by spending it at Pops or the Bijou. And they'll accept it? Yes which they can either redeem with me or hopefully use it to pay their own employees to keep the flow going. Uh, one of my friends worked for something called Ithacash, which was the same thing in Ithaca when I was oh in my college. God. And it <laughs> was for sure like vaguely illegal and scammy and got shut down without a trace um, in a very swift way as soon as it was open. So I'm just saying these things don't work. Also, if you're going to create money, you have to make sure that you're smart enough to not let any like counterfeits be able to join the club like that isn't you know like you can wash a dollar bill it doesn't disintegrate because it's not real paper but veronica just like didn't think to have any sort of trademarky thing on her veronica dollars and then long story short there's extra money in the system 
Veronica's numbers don't add up and her numbers always add up. She blames her dad. Her dad's like, oh, did you not make a good enough like money system? Turns out it was just your students who didn't understand why you can't just print more money, which I understand because I wonder that all the time. But Veronica blames them and she's like, well, now you guys are on the hook for 10K. And I'm like, don't give your high schoolers an econ project with the whole town <laughs> on the line. Like, I don't think that's their fault. That's fair. I actually, I mean, that if the cash thing is very good background context, because yeah. I was like, this is a brilliant idea. I believed her little anecdote about Oregon. Like, I believe that there oh, is a new story too. out there somewhere about a town in Oregon. Um, I thought it was innovative and really fun and engaging for her students. But bummer that it's not working so far. I wonder if it will work. But I really liked her thinking outside of the box. Well, but the thing about something like this is it works if you want currency to, like, go to Pops and Pops is accepting this. But if you need to pay rent and your landlord doesn't take Veronica dollars, like, it falls short. You know, there's a reason right. why it's there's a, very a currency insular situation. Right. But yeah. not, it's like not even, like, insular isn't the issue because it's like you can be in Riverdale and still not have this work for you. Anyway, I think it wasn't the most well thought out idea, and I'm a little frustrated she took it out on her students when it feels like it could have been um, some more thinking on her part. Wow. Okay. Well, I really liked it. Okay. And everyone needs to stop, like, stepping into Veronica's class. Oh, Hiram my God, steps I know. In this week, and it's like, get out of here. You're like a father. Like, leave the high school classroom. One quote from Hiram that I found very humorous Um Printing money, starting a fire department. Who does such things? Hiram asks of Veronica, and that's extremely funny to me. Um, that's sort of how any like nice nation state is formed. But whatever. Anyway, that was Veronica's up. Um, Tony, <laughs> Tony is running into some real trouble. At first, I thought Tony was like bringing Cheryl back to like get her out of her fugue state. Yeah, I thought that too. But Cheryl's being crazy. Yeah. I think we should Tony and Cheryl simultaneously. Yeah. Because, you know, ostensibly Cheryl spent the last seven years not going to college and like holding up in Thornhill, not to create counterfeit, bad counterfeit paintings, but um, to like do some learning and unlearning. Probably not and, even like, bad. Not that bad. Well, she got caught. Oh, well, okay. Which is bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like she's like, you know, trying to like undo the Blossom legacy and their colonizers and just trying to do the work to make it so like her family's name is less tarnished. And then as soon as she finds out that Tony is, like, in head of the Vixens, she's like, the Vixens are my birthright. And it's like, Cheryl, actually, nothing's your birthright. And I sort of wish at some point in your seven years of, like, learning, you had learned about um, not being entitled to anything just because of your name. And Well, Tony clearly agrees. I mean, Yeah, I know. I wasn't even expecting that coming from Tony. I thought it was great. I wasn't going to do this, Cheryl, but I'm officially calling you out. You've gotten away with murder in this town because of your money and your privilege. And I know you've been through hell and back time and again, but that doesn't give you a right to be a holy terror in this town for no reason. As if you have any idea what it's been like for me holed up in Thornhill for the last seven years. Oh, spare me. This isn't drag me to hell. You cursed yourself. And what you're doing isn't some grand sacrifice. It's selfish. She responds terribly. She also like, sorry, I can't get comfortable. I'm like sitting on the floor. Mm. Um. When she first comes back, she challenges Tony for control of the Vixens, which, okay. And then she 
because Tony doesn't just hand them over. She challenges a high schooler to a dance-off, and I love a good dance-off, but, like, this is pretty embarrassing because Cheryl is 25 years old, and she's giving strong, like, Hayden Penetieri vibes. Penetieri, not Penetieri. You know, I usually have a rule about annihilating high school students, but you seem particularly insufferable. And so Cheryl is sort of trying to show up this, like, 17-year-old. I will say she's very flexible, which I didn't know. She did a lot of splits. I, know. I was very impressed. Well, that's her big asset. She's, like, doing a lot of, um, yeah, she's she's she did that thing where you can, like, bring your leg up really high. Yeah, I can do that. Like, Barbie leg. Yeah, I know you can. It's so annoying. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they decide to share control because the high schoolers who go to class with one of these people do not know the other one who has been a recluse for years and years just can't pick between the two they love them both they're like good dancing maybe you should be our coach um loyalty guys what the fuck so tony and cheryl decide to share the vixens so far that's not going so well because cheryl is like extremely controlling but um after tony talks to her maybe she'll have a change of direction and then, like you were saying, the other thing that happens is that the woman who Cheryl sold this painting to comes back and she was like, realize this was a forgery. I think that she's like... going to try to, like, exploit them to make new forgeries and then be, like, in on the scheme. Yeah, I think so, too. I can't just go away that quickly and easily. No. What do you think? Arch? I feel like Arch is the most relevant to all of these stories. And then Betty and Jughead, everyone is, like, not on the same page anymore, which is so totally annoying. It took forgot such about a little Jughead. time. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, let's do Archie. Um, so Archie gets inspired by the fire that almost consumes his life and decides he will build Riverdale a volunteer fire department. And he has, like, of all the times that Archie has not known what he's doing, I think this is the time when he knows <laughs> the least what he's doing, when there's the most on the line. Like, yes, you can start a vigilante club, and, like, you know, there are still organized, like, adults doing their version of like keeping crime at bay so it's okay but there is no fire department there is no anything and now it's somehow in Archie's hands yeah so he goes and talks to this old fire chief guy who looks so much like the doctor from this is us and I looked it up to see if it was a doctor but it's not Mm -hmm. that could have been a great overlap but he is like trying to recruit people to be in the volunteer fire department. His friends and say no. But yeah, then his R- friends are R-O-T-C like, I don't think so. People say yes. Yeah, so his little teenagers are in, and luckily Katie Kane's like best friend's ex-boyfriend or something is like was a fire person in New York, and so we get a little NYFD moment, um, which. It's almost like the New York Fire Department sponsored the episode, but I just they oh, can't have no, the Core budget Water to do that. sponsored the episode, Susanna. <laughs> Core Water sponsored this episode. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, I don't think that we should just gloss over this. Like Archie's solution is to get six high school students to form a volunteer fire department. Wait, can we help with that? What with the fire department? Uh, you got school and football. Due respect. So do you, sir. Damn. My own friends turned me down, and you guys are in? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, then. And he's like, but you guys have school. And they're like, but you have school, too. It's like, yeah, this is actually a problem for all of you. It doesn't become less of a problem just because you all have the same issue. You can't be in school. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that Archie's, like, the greatest person to be setting 
boundaries for these kids. He's not the greatest person to be like, oh, you have school, so you should focus on that when, you know, Archie is famously, like, very headstrong. Um, he's a real self-starter. You know, he's a vigilante. He's a student. He's a football player. He's a singer. Yeah, he's an he runs a gym. kind of. Um, he runs a construction site. Like, he does everything. So Archie obviously loves this little distraction. And the students are pretty psyched. I will say I think it's pretty smart from Archie's POV because they have to do a lot of working out to be fired fighters and that is good for his football team it's <laughs> that's true i forgot about the football team yeah i mean they've got a lot going on but i guess strength is a a key feature throughout yeah. um so archie's military buddy meanwhile the guy who we saw in the hospital at the very beginning he's healed he's recovered he came to riverdale of all places to just hang out with archie and so he's kind of getting integrated into the town it seems like he'll be a character, and unless he becomes a romantic interest, I don't super care, but it's helpful yeah. to, like, you know, there are a lot of veteran issues yeah, going Yeah, it's a on. big vet episode. I will also say how I foresaw R2 would have PTSD, he does. And it seems yeah. like he's having, um, he and his military friend are just having some trouble being like, we fought for this country that isn't fighting for us, blah, blah, like. His military friend, who is called both Eric and Jackson, is his name Eric Jackson? You know, I because actually never picked up on it. Name to make up because they Eric call him Jackson. Yeah. yeah, that's bad. That's a bad name. Anyway, yeah, lots of um, PTSD problems. Lots of very legitimate grievances with like how these vets are treated after yeah. they're uh, after they've served. And Archie's and- like, I know what you should do. Well, because first the guy's like, I'm gonna go kill Hiram Lodge, which frankly Archie should just let him go and do that because everyone's problems would be better without Hiram Lodge. But I mean, this guy picks up on like the faintest hint of what's going on with Hiram, and he's ready to literally kill him. I'm sorry. I won't let you do this. I won't let you ruin your life over Hiram Lodge. <laughs> my life's already ruined. I lost my leg fighting in a war that didn't change a damn thing. None of us mattered. Then Archie's like, I know, instead of doing that, you should just stay in Riverdale. And I think that's a fun idea. And he's going to run the volunteer fire department, which is good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, Um, it's good because you know who shouldn't be running it? The guy who's like, the first rule is you don't run into a burning building alone. And then 10 minutes later, there is a fire and Archie runs into the burning building alone. And it's like jarring. (laughs) How much that goes against what he just instructed everyone to do. He's the worst example. I don't know. I mean, the main thing that I was thinking at the end of this is like drop the volunteer fire department and like do something, you know, it's it's kind of like write what you know, like do something in the realm of like veterans affairs issues. Yeah. Right. And like he's always relevant to he's always picking up new hobbies and I understand it's always fun to learn, like, a new skill set and um, be good at something different. But he's not very good at any of the skill sets, you know. And so I sort of wish he'd, like, hammer down on one of them instead of just continually flitting to the next. He is always making stump speeches, though. Everywhere he's at, he's like, <laughs> the town is for you. Like, like whatever the town can be doing for you, it should be. And I'm like, Archie, you can't be running for mayor all the time. Although but, like, I think he, needs he to will <laughs> eventually be a great mayor. Yeah. Yeah, that's his true calling. I think that he does all this stuff to like distract himself from all of his emotions and trauma and issues, which is fair. Fair enough. But sure. But it doesn't really work. Yeah. Okay. And then Betty's is kind of like, there's not a ton going on with Betty, even though like on a on a weight scale like it's very weighty issues she finds a girl in the woods 
not a girl the whip. She finds a body in the swamp. <laughs> and they're like, is it Polly? It's not Polly. But what Betty basically uncovers is like that there are a string of missing women who have been mostly unreported, definitely not publicized. And there are about 20 missing women in all. 21 girls. They can't all be runaways. Well, what do you think? Human trafficking? Or a serial killer? Yeah, so the first body they find, I have no idea why Betty was called to ID it when it was not ever going to be Polly's. The guy was like, this has been preserved for three years. So it was never going to be Polly's. I don't know what, maybe as an FBI agent, she was there. She, Kevin and her mom. Um, but he's also like, you know, the only person it could be, the only missing girl has been reported, had braces. And then they find another body that Reggie tells Betty about. Because first Hiram's like, stay off our land. Like, you can't go through the swamp. It's going to be a turnpike. And then Betty's like, hell no, I'm going to be back. And then Reggie's like, don't tell anybody I showed you this, but here's another body. And that body did have braces. And I'm wondering, did they only ID this body as that other missing girl based on the braces? Because the coroner was like, she has the trademark braces. I'm like, well, a lot of people might have trademark braces. I mean, Dr. Hurdle Jr. is, like, living in his own world. We have to take his word for it. Um, yeah, that's He's just fair. been in that basement for years now. He's not doing the best. Um, One is the but, last time Dr. Hurdle Jr. saw the light of day. I, we will never know. I would say the main thing about the well there are two things a betty's trying to get the fbi to like give her the resources to investigate this federally which glenn pops back up and i was gonna like, say did she and glenn never talk about breaking up or are they just both handling it so well because they're also co-workers i think they're just like keeping it kind of cash that's my guess okay well that's confusing Glenn is like, we're not giving you the resources, which I guess I understand after how Charles's operation went. But funny yeah. that they would do that once upon a time. Um, and then he's also like, by the way, Trash Bag Killer is back. We think he's in Ohio, I think, or Oklahoma. Tulsa, I think. Yeah, Tulsa. Um, so, like, Betty gets really, like, spun out about that. And I think that doubles down her resolve to, like, figure out the missing women case in Riverdale because she still has not found the serial killer. I was just going to say the trash bag killer is probably somehow related to these missing women. Certainly. Yeah, probably. The other thing is that um, Hiram, like something about Hiram's plan to build a freeway, it feels like there is another shoe that's going to drop here because like Becky, he and what Reggie, is wrong with you? They, they like It doesn't feel that way. They explicitly said it. This is not the hill to die on. No, 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 no. The, the turnpike just like the rest of Sodale, is a necessary smokescreen. I know, but you could either be a villain and pour concrete over the swamp, or you could be a hero and let them search it properly. Sure, the turnpike gets delayed, but who cares? We both know that's not the real end game. But we don't know what the other thing is, right? No, but don't you remember when Hiram first made the private prison? It was like a, it was like a shell company for the Jingle Jangle, and they used that girls home as well for that i think it's probably all the same like isn't Hiram just always money laundering yeah yeah but he seems to make a mistake in letting betty and the gang like investigate this after some bad advice from reggie and so that's probably going to come back to haunt him so I that's think reggie's like a, gonna a string reggie's gonna become a, a double agent and at some point switch i would love that oh my god that would give him, like, so much to chew on as an actor. Um, so Jughead, finally. Jughead! 
this is a weird plot line that I'm actually not liking at all. Um, I'm kind of bummed that it came out the way that you thought it was going to be, where it turns into <laughs> some supernatural shit. Yeah, I'm also bummed about that. Um, basically, Jughead's talking to Tabitha, and he's like, guess who else was interviewed with these moth people? It's Pop Tate. So he interviews Pop Tate, who's like, you know, there was this light and this earthquake and the lights went off and pops. And then outside, we got a nice little flashback of like a young, hot Pop Tate with um, fun sideburns. I thought that was cute. Yeah, that was um, cute. And he's like, who, you know, the other person you should talk to is, uh, he says, Nana Blossom, which makes me lose my mind. And I'm like, are we so familiar with Nana Rose this whole time? We've never heard her by her former name. Nana Blossom. I know, is Rose her first name? I've always thought it was like I know, me too. maiden name kind yeah, of. But like, me does too. she have a maiden name if the Blossoms are kind of marrying Incest-y, each other? Maybe she's yeah. also then Nana Blossom. The yeah, she's time. probably Nana Blossom through and through and also, but her first name is Rose. Anyway, that was very shocking to me. Nana Rose has her time to shine. She's an incredible storyteller. <laughs> she should be like the orator of the history of Riverdale. She should be giving the VO at the beginning, not Jughead. She's incredible. The Mothman. Again, a few weeks after the incident, I found a hideously misshapen body in the maple forest. A mothman corpse? An autopsy was performed. An autopsy? Like an alien autopsy? Nana Rose, why has no one heard about this before? Oh, the mothman didn't want us talking about it. You spoke to them. But they came to Thornhill looking for their missing friends. They don't like to be known. And they didn't like me keeping the deceased either. I told them it had been cremated. Had it been cremated? No, I kept it. <laughs> like grandmother, like granddaughter, <laughs> preserving bodies. <laughs> And so she drops off this, (laughs) she drops off this barrel of maple syrup, which I also, oh, someone says it's like a toothache. And I thought that was a funny double entendre because maple syrup would make your tooth ache. Um, But like (laughs) maple syrup cannot be a good preserver, right? It's so sweet. It would eat through all of the bone. You know, I I think um, this would make the bone rot. No, 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 dude, because people like ancient Egyptians were preserved in honey. So I think it's actually very similar to that and would be a good preserver. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so she drops off the barrel of, you know, preserved body. I guess Santa Rose just like waiting for this moment <laughs> her whole life. <laughs> like, I can see if I can find it. <laughs> she's like been keeping it As in her closet. she's misplaced it somewhere in Thornhill. <laughs> um, and then they sort of drain it and it's like this skeletony weird vibe and Jughead's like listen we're not experts but you know who is like professor of extraterrestrial <laughs> mummies and moth people at this university is actually like let's hit them up which is very convenient Jughead found this person I also like that sometimes in Riverdale they're going to go to an expert for advice I think that's a pretty smart move all of the kids should employ moving on um but they're like, we'll just keep the body unmummified right here in Pops and Jughead's like, I'll take the night shift. And then obviously the same thing happened to Pop Tate, happened to Jughead for like the lights and the earthquake and blah, blah, blah. And then it looks like he almost got abducted by aliens. Yeah. Looking forward to the episode where Jughead does get abducted by aliens. Yeah. That will be very exciting. The other thing that I think is sort of being hinted at here is that Jughead has a drinking problem. 
Oh. Because <laughs> yeah, he's like, easy. I mean, that's not a hint either. That is fully. <laughs> could not be out. more heavy handed. He's like, I can spend these Veronica bucks anywhere in town. It's like <laughs> cut to like scotch and soda, please. Um, and then he's drinking at Pops. And then later Tabitha's like, well, were you drinking when you had your little nightmare? And Jughead's like, that's besides the point. Anyway, the mummy goes missing. Someone steals it, which like. So we think the aliens took it back. Or, like, some kids are pranking. Because I don't really think Riverdale would go full Supernatural. But I'm annoyed that they're pranking us again with this, like, fake-out Supernatural. I wish they'd prank us about something else. Prank. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, we've got a lot of things going on. Betty's after serial killers. Jughead's after Mm. aliens. Archie's after the town. And Veronica (laughs) is after something. A purpose. So yeah, runs after, really purpose. after a purpose. Where is Chad? I mean, Chad was o o o this uh, this episode, which I thought was good. Who's Chad? Her husband. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, there are too many characters now. Um, okay, Kevin, watch quickly. Yeah, so Kevin, um, a great uh sidekick all episode. He went with Betty to ID the body that wasn't Polly's. He made a fun joke about always looking for a few good men like Archie was. I know he's good with his one-liners, which is very sidekick chic. Yeah. Um, What else did Kevin do? Anything? I don't think so, but where we have Kevin, we seem to now have Sheriff Keller, which is nice. Yeah, nice father-son moment. Okay, well, looking forward to next week. All right, bye. Bye.